This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss the design, the development, and the business of great products. And joining me today is Ben Ornstein. Welcome back to the podcast, Ben. Oh, thank you. It's good to be back home. <laughs> I've been trying to keep your seat warm while you were away. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's rather toasty, actually. <laughs> thank you for that. And uh, so today I thought we'd have you back and I'd officially hand the regular hosting microphone back to you. <laughs> and we'd discuss what you've been doing for the past three months or so. Yeah, that sounds great. So what have you been doing for the last three months or so? <laughs> uh, I've been doing a lot. I think most notably is sort of what I did most recently, which is I went to Denver for a month uh, and taught at the Turing School, which is uh, a Ruby slash Rails uh, school in Denver. Probably all evident from what I've said already. Uh, and I was helping out the staff. Uh, I've been friends for a while with Jeff Casimir, and uh, he has been. Uh, we've been talking about me going down there for a while, and so we finally made it happen. And it was uh, a blast. Really enjoyed it a lot. How many students are in Turing right now? When I was there, there were about 60, yeah. uh, and right around when I left, they had taken a, a new cohort, and I think there were about 80 now. Yeah, it's a really big, a lot of kids, a uh, lot of students. <laughs> they're, not, they're not all kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mostly adults. Yeah. And so what was your schedule like when you were working with them? Um, so they had a standing meeting at, I think it was 8.30, 8 or 8.30, um, which is a lot earlier than our stand-up at, at 10 o'clock. Um, and so I was getting up pretty early, Wait, you which were going to that? I, I, yes, I went to it. <laughs> I, of, I often skip the stand-up here because 10 o'clock is too early for me, but somehow I made it to the 8.30 uh, stand-up slash sit-down meeting. This changes everything, Ben. <laughs> I think it was the altitude. It just became easier to wake up or harder to sleep. One of those two, I'm not sure. But uh, I made that work. And uh, I wasn't teaching a lot of like official classes. So a lot of the instructors there were teaching like a number of three-hour, two-hour classes per week. Um, I was sort of doing more ad hoc teaching. Uh, making myself available for questions, doing code review for people, teaching sort of short one-hour things when I would sort of notice that there was seemed to be a knowledge gap. Like, hey, I think I can help out if I taught a class on Enumerable and, and like specifically Inject, or if we spent some time like actually TDDing an application uh, from scratch, things like that. Just trying to make myself generally useful. Cool. I want to talk more about touring later on, mm-hmm. but let's let's give an overview first and then dive in. So, yep. uh, what else did you do while you were away? Uh, so before that, I was doing uh, sort of a lot of travel. I made a list of places that I wanted to go where I had friends uh, that were domestic because international travel is a little bit of a pain. So I did some traveling within the U.S. I uh, started, where's my first thing? I think at first I went to New York, uh, visited Edwin, who is a former designer from ThoughtBot, now works at Genius over there, um, recorded a podcast with their CEO, uh, which went out. Uh, spent some time in Portland with my buddy Chris Hunt, who's been on this podcast a couple times. I think I, I recorded yeah, a podcast out there with him as well. Um, trying to keep people sort of roughly up to date with what was going on. Did some talks as well. I uh, gave a talk at uh, PDX Ruby when I was out there. I uh, gave a talk at Denver RB when I was in Denver. So trying to just sort of just keep doing some of the things that I like to do, uh, which is basically hanging out with people I like, writing interesting code, giving talks when possible, recording podcasts. So it's kind of like I was doing 20% of the things I normally do with Opbot, uh, or 30%, something like that, and uh, but just with more free time in between, I guess. Yeah, so let's tell people how it sort of went down um, mm-hmm. and the logistics of it. So 
first of all, wh- why did you start thinking that this was something you wanted to do? Um, I have this sort of internal clock that goes off every 18 months where I want to like mix up what I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, in my life. And so in the past, that has meant that like basically every 18 months I change jobs. Fortunately, I've been able to find enough flexibility with ThoughtBot that uh, I've had two 18-month periods show up. First one, uh, I went from consul- being a consultant to uh, running Upcase. And then I had spent about 18 months on Upcase when uh, I want- just sort of had that-, that thing go off again. And I was like, you know, I could... What if I tried something crazy, like take a bunch of time off and see what I would do with it and what I, what you know what would happen? And so I sort of came to you and said, hey, I was thinking about taking some like a sort of extended time period off. And you were like, yeah, okay. Right. Well, what I actually said was like, why, why does it need to be completely time off, right? Um, yeah. Because a lot of the things you said, you were telling me you wanted to do, I was like, you're doing that already as part of ThoughtBot and you should just continue to do that. Like it doesn't need to be this completely black or white thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I think was a good insight because it, it really wasn't so much that I wanted to do like no work. And in fact, on the days where I was just like very unstructured and didn't do any specific things that were kind of programmery or like career related, I was not as happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more that I, I guess I want a little more free time around the edges and also just a sense of like change happening. Like I, I spent 10 days in Portland and like that was different and spending a month in Denver, like kind of building a, like a mini life while you're while I was there. Like that was just like exactly the kind of like difference that I wanted in my day to day. That kind of shook me out of that, like, okay, I need to change things up feeling and kind of actually got me back to a place where it was like, okay, I'm kind of ready for like normalcy now. It's been a, a lot of unstructured kind of open time. And now I'm ready to sort of go back to a, a normal schedule and seeing people regularly. Right. So you originally thought that you would just be taking the time off and entirely. And I think you knew that you were going to teach at touring. So in terms of what you originally thought the financial situation might be, I'm assuming touring paid you for the time. Uh, they didn't. Oh, okay. I volunteered at Turing. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, when you originally came to me, you expected to take an extended leave and, and not not be paid. Um, right. So had you just been working to position yourself to be able to do that, or, or how did mm-hmm. that work? Yeah, I, I, I sort of... I've always kind of, or I guess for the last five or six years, I've sort of been a saver, I guess. Um, so financially, it was something that I knew I could swing for at least, you know, a little while and not worry about it too much. So I guess it was just saving the pennies and putting them away. And, I, and it sort of came down to, it. I was like, I can make this work um, logistically and financially right now. So I want to, I want to try it. But yeah, so I, I was, I was surprised by our conversation because I was, I walked into it expecting like, you know, we'll, we'll say, okay, let's take three or four months and I'm sort of on my own. Um, and what came out of it was different. Are we talking about this? Like, do you want to talk about the details? Can I talk about the details? I'm okay with it. <laughs> yes, I think it's okay to talk about the details. Okay. Yeah, as long as you're comfortable. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, so what I said was, you know, we have a policy at ThoughtBot. We pay 100% of the travel expenses and conference expenses when you're speaking. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you were doing that during your off time or not, you're still representing ThoughtBot and doing the exact same thing. So I said... If you're going to places and you're doing these things and you're speaking, it should just fall within the normal conference policy that we have. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to pay for that. And then we just said, let's be reasonable about the rest of the time that you spend and keep track of it. And if you record a podcast or you you you, um, visit one of our offices and work there for a little while, which I don't think you really ended up doing. Um, Mm. But just, you know, let's keep track of that and, and sort of settle up when it makes sense, probably at the end. 
Yeah, and, and that was I, I was surprised by that, but it also is seems pretty reasonable. Like there were a lot of things I did that, and you sort of put it like you know when you when you go places and you do good things, people know who you work for, and so like it comes back to us and benefits us in a way. Um, and I agree with that. So I I thought it was a actually a very reasonable position to take, and surprisingly positive for me. Yeah, and the reality of the situation is that as an employer, it you know it's not the worst thing to have someone go on unpaid leave. You know, it reduces expenses, and as long as the work is covered, um, mm-hmm. it's okay. So, given that, ba- it's actually reasonable to strike a balance there and say, you know, we this is actually cheaper than it would be if you were continuing to work and doing all of these things as well. Um, mm-hmm. Totally. So it's you know just try to be reasonable. I think finances aside and logistics aside, I think what I also said to you was. I want ThoughtBot to be the kind of place that someone will stay at for a long, long time and that's flexible enough to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Yep, absolutely. And and, and everybody says that, but I feel like you actually deliver on that pretty like very consistently more than more than I hear about anywhere else. It's easy to sort of like say those things, but when it comes down to it, to not actually do that much about it. Um, But so far, every time I've like, hey, I have this crazy idea, like I want to start this upcase thing. I want to work four days a week. I want to take three months off. It's just always kind of like, yeah, all right, I think we can make that work. And it's 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 huge because, I, I mean, I, I wasn't at the point where like it was like, I need to do this leave or quit, but I could see myself getting to that point with another company, right? Like if, right. if you like, hey, I want to take some leave and they say no, and then like, you know, maybe six or seven or nine months later, you're like, you know what? I, I've just had it. I have to leave now and I'll take my leave in between jobs and you, you lose somebody good that way. Yeah, and I've been talking a lot lately internally and and I hope to manifest it more externally in blog posts and everything about this whole concept of that there's not ulterior motives at ThoughtBot, that we've intentionally, we don't have business people or finance people, you know, that to the extent that we're able to, we've outsourced everything so that we can just have designers and developers so that everyone's motivations are the same. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a developer I'm motivated by the same things. And, and so my job has recently changed. I've come off of Upcase completely. And I've been doing ThoughtBot for almost 12 years now. And so I, I made the quip, you know, that there's a, there's a reason why this can happen. It's because you continually change, you continually grow. That whole 18-month cycle, I think my cycle's quite a bit longer than 18 months, probably. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's still there. It's It's still, I think... You know, it's atypical in today's business environment, in today's development environment, to be at the same place for a long, long time. Yep. And I think if you're going to do that, you need to be the kind of you need to be at the kind of company that will be changed and flexible. But also, mm-hmm. I personally think you need to push. I think you need to push and say here's how I'm feeling now and I'm going to take action about this with totally. within the confines of, of where I'm at. Yeah, I think the pushing part is important. I think a lot of people sort of get frustrated or bored and they don't try to fix it first. They sort of assume that it won't get fixed. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get too specific because I don't want the person to take offense, but I did an interview recently with someone mm-hmm. and... Um, part of the interview is code review. We bring up their code and we talk about what we what went into it, what decisions they'd make differently, that kind of thing. And 
the code was not great, which is not necessarily in and of itself a problem mm-hmm. because there are so many constraints when you're writing an app that, you know, can do it. But when I said, like, well, why is this this way? Why can this be nil all the time? Or why is this not a restful action? Uh, just name this way. The The response was, that's a good question. I, I didn't, you know, this is just what the way it was given to me. Or mm-hmm. um, there was just sort of all these excuses for why it was, why it was external factors or, or why it wasn't made better by, mm-hmm. by this person. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I, I ended the interview nicely and everything and then followed up with that this person would not be a good fit for ThoughtBot. Mm-hmm. Because just in that code level, it's the same thing in terms of life and what makes someone successful at ThoughtBot. Mm. It's not accepting the way things are given to you or the status quo. And that manifests itself in everything from what we do as a company and the way that we handle ourselves and our careers to like not being okay that this is not a non-restful controller. Right. <laughs> like, and it doesn't matter what the constraints of the product, like those are almost always self-imposed and made up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you should be pushing back and you should be saying to yourself, and it's probably push back against yourself saying, I need to figure out why this is like, this can't just be a create action. Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me when I when I was at the touring school. Overall, I was like very impressed with the students. I thought they were awesome. But there was one one theme I saw that was like very frustrating to me was I would be doing a code review on their app and I'd say like oh, why is like this method's like pretty long, right? And they'd be like, oh yeah, but like I didn't write that, right? And I was always like, right, but this is your code. And they're like, well, yeah, but I, like I focused on the whatever piece, mm-hmm. and it was just I just there was they lacked a sense of ownership over the whole. Uh, which was kind of like drove me crazy. Like I was like, it was like every time I pointed out something, like, oh well, here's why that's not my fault. Right. And I was like, it's all your fault. Right. This is all your code. You own every piece of it. Like, and even if even if you're thinking in your head, well, that was someone else who wrote that. So like, I, I, you know, I shouldn't take the blame. Like, just just accept it. Like, take the feedback and then go fix it. Like, take some responsibility. Right. Yeah, and I don't think anyone's perfect in this regard. You know, we've worked together for a while on Upcase, and you know, I. We have difference of of opinions. I always try to be, uh, you know, we talk a lot of this, about this in our code review guide and everything. I always try to be quick to admit that, you know, what the factors are that went into that decision and that I'm either right or wrong mm-hmm. and argue a point if I want to argue a point, but but always defer to group ownership and and trying to make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. I, I had I had a really good experience yesterday, actually, where I refactored part of the code. I like introduced introduced a null object, and it ended up being that the, the null object was actually only useful in the test environment. It was never going to actually be used in production. And so I actually wasn't totally sure if this was a good idea. And I opened up a poll and went back and forth with Joel for a while. And like, there's like 15 comments of us are like basically in a chat back and forth about this idea. And I ended up closing it and not merging it. And it was like that mm-hmm. kind of feedback and pushback, I think is like so essential for like keeping code quality high. Like you have to be willing to push back on someone's idea and be willing to get that, like accept that pushback yourself and be like, you know what? Okay, I hear your points. This is that's a good point. Let's let's not do this. Right. And willing to throw something away that you've worked on. Yeah. I'd I'd rather throw it away than, than have the quality go down over time. Right. Yeah. All and day. so for me, that not only applies to code and products. But people <laughs> to my to my life and people Just and throw business people away. and everything. Yeah. So I, it was. You, you were saying that you. It's important to us to not sort of accept the status quo. And I'm. 
It's true. Like I, I've, that's one of the things that I think is, is actually best about working here is that there's a strong sense of like, can we do this better? All the time. That's kind of like a, re- a repeated question. Like we have a, a Trello board full of research ideas. There's probably over 100 cards on there that are just like different ideas to try on the next app we make. And it's like, or, or different things to try in dot files and things like that. And people are weighing in and, and pushing back and, and agreeing. And th- there's a sense of like, let's, let's constantly be experimenting and, and, and making right. our approach better. Right, and that research board isn't limited to just technical things either. I mean, there was <laughs> there was famously a research card for leaving the lights off in the office, um, <laughs> yeah. and people talking about whether it was better to leave the lights on or not, and then deciding that they were going to experiment with leaving the lights on for half the day and turning them off, uh, <laughs> turning the leaving them off until noon, I think, and then turning them on at noon. Um, you know, it's that kind of stuff. It's just like always trying to do it in a thoughtful way mm-hmm. like change and, and improve mm-hmm. that's why we're called thought bot. we have ones for the chairs we use <laughs> you know we're experimenting with this like most people have standing desks or everyone has standing desks um, most people stand part of the day and there's this chair that is more like a sort of pogo stick chair that you can lean on when you're and like that went through a research card mm-hmm. so that people can learn that it's being tried out in other places and then say like i'd like to try this too and then give their feedback on it and then you know things get to the point where it's like yeah this is better uh there's a consensus that it's better Mm -hmm. you know let's you know uh we got several of them for the different offices when that when that was the Mm -hmm. case i think sometimes that can be frustrating to people that constant change or constant thing and you do have to be careful that it doesn't that it's not churn um, and sometimes I think externally, particularly, people can see it as churn. So, for example, we recently changed from our guide from single, be, just using single quotes when you don't have string interpolation, uh, but when you do use double quotes, um, to use double quotes everywhere. And we did that probably about six months ago. Mm-hmm. We changed that. And that those kind of changes, they have big ramifications in the code they have ramifications now. We have a style checker, Hound. It had ramifications in that. So now when if I'm not sure what the standard is and I do something different, because we, we also have a guide where you're not going to, you know, the minute we change to using double quotes, that's the, our new style. That's only on new things going forward. It's not, you know, we're not going to go back and completely change all the quotes in every single app mm-hmm. that, we, that we have. Mm-hmm. Things like that, I think, I'm trying to pull back to a bigger point than the the, the, the the little one about quotes, but like you have to realize like you should be continuing to push forward. You're going to like upset the apple cart a little bit and it's important to change and push, but you need to strike a balance there. Like you, you shouldn't be burning bridges. You shouldn't be tearing stuff down that was successful in the past just because you're doing something a little bit differently and in a way that you believe is better now. Mm-hmm. There is a balance to be struck there. And if, if you back churn, like tear things down that you did previously, you won't progress as much as you will as just continuing to push forward. Hmm. I think it's easier to sell that change too yeah. internally. It's like, yeah. okay, well, for, for new things, we'll do this, but don't like, we're not going to go on some crazy mission to go upset everything that's already been yeah. created. But we talk about it. So, like on Upcase, that is our longest running Rails app. I think it's been five years now. Mm-hmm. Because it was didn't used to be Upcase. Upcase isn't right. quite that old. It, but. It, it was learned before that, and work, a workshops application where people could register to take our workshops. That's that's how it started. So, it's it's been a continuously running Rails app since then, and we made the conscious decision that we will follow the style guide 
um, and whenever we touch code, we'll update it to the current practices. Mm -hmm. And that's actually not typical of the way that we approach things. But I think we did that because we realized that it was important because we were working on the app and getting into these areas where the code hadn't was clearly out of date from like three years ago, four years ago. And we saw the practice of, of a long running app where you don't continually push it, continually update it. And I think we decided as a team that we would, um, whatever we touched, we would update. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's generally gone pretty well. Mm-hmm. Also, I deleted a thousand lines out of OKs yesterday. So I'm pretty happy. Cool. Yeah. What'd you delete? Uh, legacy trails. Yeah. And all that stuff. So like like everything else in the app, there's been multiple iterations of different ideas. So we had this old idea of trails, trails being like a series of steps you do to learn something, um, learn a particular topic. And so we have actually we had we have sort of had two implementations of trails simultaneously in the app because we, we came up with a new way of doing it that we liked better. And it was sort of a experiment. So we kept the new and the old around in case we wanted to, to go back to those, I guess. And uh, I just yesterday was like, all right, we're, we're getting rid of these. So I got to do my favorite thing, which is delete a whole bunch of code. Good. So speaking of changes and like changing the job every so often, you are going to be making a change soon, right? Yeah, I'm going to go to London for a couple months uh, this summer to help start uh, ThoughtBot Office there, uh, which I think hasn't been formally announced yet yeah. either. So we're, we're breaking news Ooh. here on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, my whole family is going to go. We're going to change it up. Uh, we're renting a house in London and gonna go we'll be there for about two months Mm -hmm. get things off the ground and you know coming off of upcase feeling like we needed i just needed a change wanted to do something different be in a different spot for a little while i think is very similar to what you were feeling Mm -hmm. and so um it's really fortunate that we're planning on opening an office in london and take that opportunity to do it while the kids are out of school for the summer Mm -hmm. so you're gonna drink a lot of tea and watch rugby and whatnot you know blend with the locals i think i have to yeah i mean i skied in denver so that's like you kind of right. got, got to do it yeah and there's a lot of other just change you know going on that i that i wanted to push through it and i and i think that that's why coming off of upcase uh just completely sort of cold turkey was really important because i've been working on that for you know workshops and learn and upcase now for a long long time five years mm-hmm. so forcing myself to come off of that and focus on these other things that we're doing. So we're opening other offices this year, several more. And so I really wanted to focus on that. And the other thing, as I talked about internally at our company summit last year was that we want to open these other offices to, to bring ThoughtBot to more people, to make the company more exciting and diverse and, and all that. But we don't want to do it at the expense of changing what the company is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've seen a lot of competitors and other companies, as they get bigger, change and not for the better. Mm-hmm. And we were really at a sort of d- turning point where we had used up all the headroom, the operational headroom of our outsourcing providers in terms of accounting and financing and and all that stuff and just operationally like the number of things that happen at ThoughtBot on a daily basis both financially or operationally were just you know really high Mm -hmm. and you know as designers and developers first of all we don't have experience in that but also you know we 
didn't want to change the company to accommodate that. And so the traditional path would have been to like bring on an operations person or to um, bring on a finance person or something like that Mm -hmm. onto staff. And we sort of put a stake in the ground and said, that's not what we want to do because of what I said before, I think it will change. It gives someone a seat at the table who has different motivations than being a great designer or developer, Mm -hmm. working with a great team and building great products. So that was the concern that if we brought someone on, there'd be someone pulling us in directions that we weren't happy with. And it would be, it would be much harder, for example, for us to sit down and have a conversation about your leave and make the decision that we did. Mm. I think that's a good example of the kind of thing that we don't want to lose. Hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it was interesting to me when I, when I applied, I think, I think when I joined ThoughtBot, there were like 15 people or some, something around there, plus mm-hmm. or minus a couple. And I remember thinking even then that it was kind of, it was interesting and great, but weird that you were still writing code. Like you were still actively developing software all the time, um, even at that size. And it's kind of amazing that that's still the case. Like now we're 115 or something, somewhere in there, right? And you still are mostly, like you're still writing code all the time, maybe less with a London thing, but still like very much a developer. Yeah, I think it's really important. Well, first of all, it's important to me. but I think it's important to the company, you know, and this is part of it. We realized that instead of adding business people or whatever, we should leverage our experience as designers and developers who can solve problems and use our development skills to solve problems and that's what we're doing so that's what i'm working on now you know revamping our hiring i do all the hiring and writing code to make that better make that smoother use our product design skills of how to build great things for thoughtbot itself so we're doing a lot of architecting our sales funnel and those kinds of things writing code to support that Mm -hmm. and I fundamentally believe that like the duties of a CEO, uh, like creating partnerships and creating business value and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it's, it's really not important. <laughs> and so I think it's actually healthy to have the constraint that you're really going to try to segment that time into a couple days a week and prioritize the design and development tasks that you want to do and that role. Mm-hmm. Prioritize that so that you don't compromise on it is actually really healthy. I think it makes you make better, smarter choices about where you're going to spend your time because the those non-technical roles, just in the same way that programming does, it fills the time you give it. It expands to fill the time you give it. Mm-hmm. Same is true with CEO duties. Like if I had if I had nothing to do all week and just except CEO stuff, I would find things to do. Mm-hmm. I would find partnerships to make. I would find like <laughs> business things. I would start meddling in other people's things, maybe even more than I do now. And I think it's healthy to have those constraints. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you hope to continue those for the next, for years, keep going, just pushing like that? At this point, I don't have an option. I'm unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, I yeah i have no other game plan this is this is it like we we're not planning on selling thought i'm not planning on leaving i've been at this for almost 12 years and the one of the reasons why we started to grow was because i was starting to feel like th- this is what it is if i'm not working i'm not going anywhere else so i'm looking at if we're not growing and changing then 
I'm really looking at what I'm going to be doing for the next 10 years when we're coming up on a 10-year milestone. It's like, yeah, okay, what am I not happy with? And the feeling that we weren't pushing that if in 10 years we were 20 people just in Boston, that wasn't something that had the impact on the world that I wanted to have and that would make me proud. Mm-hmm. I remember asking you like about a year ago, it's like, what would you do if you had to sell ThoughtBot? And you're like, start another consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> is that what I said? That is what you said. Oh man, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess you really like this stuff. It's kind of your thing. Yeah, no, it is kind of my thing. I've done it a long time I mean, This has been your whole professional life basically, right? Right. So I, I had, you know, I, I worked all through high school and uh, college. So I have had other jobs and in college I did software development and I and technical support but I've only after graduating I only had one job and it was eight months and then we started ThoughtBot Mm -hmm. not a bad hit rate I guess (laughs) 50-50 (laughs) 50-50 yeah if you count one eight months and one 12 year 150 impressive company it's the same thing yeah it's 50-50 yeah nice you're in charge here. You're interviewing. You got, oh, you, you I, was, I was hoping you were going to take the cue to wrap it up. <laughs> Is that why you're giving me the wrap it up signal? <laughs> no. Um, so now you're back and um, you're going to start resume hosting the podcast. Mm-hmm. You're, you've taken back the leadership brands on Upcase, which I was covering for you. And uh, now I'm no longer running it, uh, working on it at all. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where the next 18 months takes us. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll check in again later. Cool. You want to wrap it up? I do. I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. This is. Let me. So it's giantrobots.fm slash one thirty six. Oh, I yeah. guess you can pull up my. Did we change the URL while you were gone? Uh, no, I think it changed before I left. <laughs> okay. Let me. I haven't opened my podcast notes in so long. All right. So we should. I'm going to wrap it up in my standard wrap up style, which you haven't heard for a little while. Uh, before we go, do you have anything you want to plug, chat? <laughs> this is in my notes to make sure okay. to ask if you have a plug. <clears throat> yeah, I mentioned the other offices uh, that we're opening. We're about to announce our Portland office. We're going to announce it on Monday, right when this podcast comes out. So I'm confident Two to, exclusives. Uh, to mention it. So if you are in Portland and you're interested in joining ThoughtBot, get in touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to thoughtbot.com slash jobs. And we have a team of great people already on the ground in Portland and moving to Portland. Mm-hmm. So maybe even more importantly... If you're a client who wants to build a great product or needs help making their current product more successful, uh, get in touch at thoughtpod.com. Awesome. Uh, I also have a quick plug. I'm speaking at BathRuby, which I believe is uh, March 13th. It's, if it's not that day, it's plus or minus one or two days. And uh, the speaker lineup looks amazing. Like I feel like I have to really bring my A game. There's like a Tom Stewart speaking, Katrina Owen, uh, another Thoughtbotter. Like this is the lineup looks really solid. So if you're going to be in the area, check that out. And uh, yeah, let's let's do it up. Let's wrap it up. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm/slash136. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back. See you next week. 